Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Monday Morning Recap. My name is Matt, and I'm here with Pastor Jamal. You heard. And Pastor Todd. Good morning. Hey, and we're excited that you're here. So here's my first question. Based off the Sunday sermon yesterday, guys, I need to know, Coke or Pepsi, what do you say? Where do you land? Coke, period. Really? Yeah. Wow. It is the real thing. Just saying. Pepsi burns, bro. I've drank okay. Pepsi and I'm like, dude, what? What is happening to my esophagus? I need this. <laughs> I would like to enjoy the food that I'm eating, but I can't if my esophagus is being burnt away by the acidity of your beverage, sir. Really? Yeah, man. I feel I like just people feel like would say that about Coke. Dude, Coke yeah. is sweet. Yeah. Coke is sweet. People use Coke to like clean engine parts. Yeah, Bro. see, that's what I've heard. <laughs> and, it's, and dude, I'm telling you, Coke is Coke is the real deal. All Pepsi right. is Pepsi's too harsh, I think. I do agree Coke over Pepsi, but I just think that's interesting that that's yeah, yeah. why. What do you say, Pastor Todd? I, I'm, okay, so I can take whatever. <laughs> I don't really care. Uh, I'll drink whichever one is available or whatever, but I, I w- I, I'm, I'm going to be the odd man out here. I think if I had a choice, I think I might grab Pepsi first. Oh, okay. So I, I don't know. <laughs> All right. I would definitely grab Coke. See, but here's my fear. I, I think that Pepsi... I thought Pepsi was sweeter, and so my fear is that in a blind taste test, I would accidentally choose Pepsi. But I like Coke. Here's—I'll say this: my favorite soda is vanilla Coke, like oh, Coca-Cola yeah. vanilla mm, Coke. That's true. In college, we called that it Vanilla K. That was my favorite. Vanilla K. Okay. I just wanted Vanilla K. <laughs> wow, so anyway, you guys are like you guys are a whole other level. Just that college level. life when you you know just Vanilla K. Come up with dumb names for Actually, things. Have you ever had any of the Pepsi where they? It's the throwback Pepsi where they have the real sugar in it instead of the artificial. Yeah, sweetener. that's better. Yeah, yeah. It's but uh, a couple years ago too, they had Pepsi Kona. I don't know if you guys remember that. It was coffee so. flavored Pepsi. Um, it didn't last very long, and there's a good reason why it didn't. Because <laughs> it didn't. It was gross. You know oh, what? Good. My family they they have like that Manhattan Special. Have you ever heard of that? No. It's coffee soda, but I've never had it. I have to try it. Nah, I don't so, think so. Coffee, yeah, I don't know. Sure. Don't sound appealing at all. Have you ever been to those? Um, I was at the Coca Cola factory in Atlanta, and they have like that tasting room. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been? No, nah, I've ever never been. been. Nope, never been. Yeah, well, I've, the um, Disney has something similar to that, where you could, where I don't know if it's still there or not, but you used to be able to go and taste all the different sodas that Coke made for the different company or different countries. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> and what was funny, and I didn't realize it was made by Coke, but while we were there, they had Inca Cola which was when I did the missions trip um, with the district to Peru. That was the big thing. It's bubblegum flavored soda. Bubblegum flavored. <laughs> Wait, isn't that... Isn't that... Drink a Inca. Wait, bubblegum <laughs> is based off of cream soda, though. That's what I thought I heard. That's the flavor of bubblegum. When it was invented, cream soda. I, I don't know, but I this was know. not cream. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm skeptical of all these names. That, you know, like Manhattan Special, Inca Cola. I'm, bro, no, just so pass me the Coke, the, the one in the red can <laughs> with the little swirl on it. Pass me that, and I'm gravy. I'm good to go. The one you need to watch out for is, yeah, when it comes to all the countries, the one in Atlanta that uh, everyone wanted to know if you tried was Italy. Theirs is called Beverly. It's... It's disgusting. (laughs) But tell us how you really feel. Everybody was like, like, all the employees are like, oh, I'm like, oh, I just come out of the tasting room. They're like, oh, did you try Beverly? Like, I I come back to New Jersey, like, yeah, we were at the Coke factory. Oh, cool. Did you try the Beverly? Like, everybody wants to try it. Because it was like, like, it's a trap. It's like you when you drink something gross or you smell something gross and you're like, here, smell it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, 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 no. no. Yeah. No, thank you.
All right, cool. So uh, I'm excited to talk about the sermon. Pastor Jeff, uh, for the next couple of weeks, is talking about what we value as a church. And he's saying how we value missions, we value the local church, and we value people. And so this week, he talked about how we value missions, and he talked about the different reasons why, um, which we'll get into in just a minute. Um, But he started by kind of talking about why do we do what we do, and he kind of gave um, statistics and a brief history of even the Assemblies of God. So I thought, like, maybe if you're listening, maybe you knew that our church was part of the Assemblies of God. Maybe you didn't, or maybe you know, but you're not sure what that means or something. Like, can you guys, real quick, like, what is it? What is that? So I just started laughing when you said, when you said, if people didn't know that we were part of the Assemblies of God, but our name of the church is First Assembly oh, of God. Sorry. So right. no, no, but I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm saying, sorry. if somebody yeah. did not know that, based on the name of the church. Welcome. We are first assembly. <laughs> well, no, sorry. Well, I mean, I mean, nah, somebody, I mean, you know somebody, what? maybe who doesn't attend church here would be like, somebody "Oh, like, not. what are you? Are you guys Protestant? Are you Catholic?" And be yeah. like, "Oh, we're Assemblies of God." Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. what's that? I've never heard of it. No, like, you're right. You're it right. is. What? Well, what is it? You're right. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah. actually, w- sometimes when people call and they're like, "Hey, we saw your church. We're interested in coming." Are you Christian? <laughs> yeah, like that's a question that it's true. Frequently, I've yeah. gotten, and sometimes kids hating will ask on me, me over like, here. No, I'm not I'm hating. Thinking, on, no, 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 I'm not hating <laughs> on you. I'm no. saying like if the person can't tell that we're part of the assembly of God based on the fact that our yeah, name says right, assembly right, of God, then I would be like, okay, like I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like, all right, well then, um, well this is that's what we are. are. You know, they start yeah, from yeah. the very, very bottom. So that's that's just what I would do, but. Well, yeah, we're uh, Assemblies of God is a denomination, one of many denominations. Uh, we are a cooperative fellowship. Or technically speaking, we are a cooperative fellowship. That's right. Which means that you you choose to be part of the Assemblies of God. You're an autonomous church, which is cool. But we're uh, what people would call a Pentecostal church. We're part of that. You could say it's like a branch of Christianity that we fall under, that the Assemblies of God falls under. And... Pentecostal, yeah, pro- which is uh, falls under Protestantism. If you view it like all umbrellas, Kind of the way I usually think of it, you think Christianity, then I think like Catholic and Protestant, mm-hmm. and then under Protestant you kind of have many different ones. Pentecostal kind of can be in both of those, I think, but a lot of times I just kind of view it like that. Protestant type of deal. Um, but so the Assemblies of God, again, brief history. I like history, and I think Pastor Jeff, again, talked about some of this and talked about some stats, but the Assemblies of God... Um, was formed in 1914, and he started his message by talking about like the five reasons that they formally came together, which were four out of five were all missional, and the other one was legal. But basically, it came out of the Azusa Street Revival, which was in Los Angeles. I was actually, I did stop by there. Um, there's only a street sign now. There's no like building or not even a plaque, actually, just just a street sign. Wow. It says that's where it started. But I went there. It was cool. You know, I took a picture and stuff, but... Um, it, there was so there was a revival. That's where Pentecost, the Pentecostal movement started. People were being baptized in the Spirit. Last week we talked about speaking in tongues, like that sort of stuff was happening. Um, they say I think it was William Seymour's wife who didn't know the piano, like had never learned, but she was able to play the piano and and from there played the piano for these meetings. Like so that Kinda sort of cool. stuff, like stuff was happening, and it was became international. People were coming from around the world, and then the movement was spreading. And so after a few years. The Assemblies of God, you know, uh, formally came together as an organization. There were a couple of organizations. I think Church of God also came out of there too, but um, Assemblies of God came out of there in 1914. And so 106 years later, here we are. And a lot of the stats that he shared was really cool that there's like um, almost 70 million people around the world 
that are uh, part of the AG, which is kind of cool. Yeah. There you go. So, um, so yeah, he talked about how we value missions, and the four reasons were the command from above, the cry from below, the call from afar, and the compelling from within. And um, I, I think it was really cool how he unpacked that um, and how important all four of these reasons are. The and alliteration, Pastor Jeff, with the alliteration. And the there. alliteration. I, know, I was just going to say, he, he like summed those up really nicely. Mm-hmm. Like They just fit well mm-hmm. together. Yeah, yeah, they, they do. But they, it's also like a perfect description of each reason, too. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, it's kind of twisted a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. no, no, totally yeah. on point. So the command from above, Mark 16, 15, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, where Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples, or and Mark, to preach the gospel to all creation. And again, he said how in 106 years, there's 70 million people who are AG adherents. And he said how they took the command seriously. And, and we know because only 106 years later, wow, look at this, how many mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. have been impacted. So why... Uh, I don't know. I thought that was interesting. He he was saying like they took it seriously. Do you think sometimes maybe we don't view it the same with the same urgency or priority level? Why don't we sometimes? What do you think? Yeah, well, I I think it it depends on who you're talking to. <laughs> Some people are like real serious about that to the point where they're like, yeah, I talked to five people this week, and you know, and then I think other people aren't. I I think there's a lot of reasons maybe why we don't do that as much today and one of them i think is because being a christian is a little taboo in some of the culture that we live in today and so it can be tricky to talk about your faith and talk about it in a way that people understand and you don't have to worry about them rejecting you you know and i i think that's a very real people fear that people have that hey if i talk about jesus they're going to think i'm weird or they're going to think i'm they're going to roll me up into some of the stereotypes of christianity and so i don't i don't necessarily want to lose some of my friends over this i think yeah I, i i would agree with that and i think that for some people part of the reason why maybe they don't take it as seriously maybe maybe that's not the right idea but maybe they are a little bit more apprehensive about um having they're a little bit more apprehensive, I think, sometimes, and we're just being honest here, we're talking history. Some of the history of the church does not always beget people the uh, confidence yeah. to share openly and freely about their faith or about specific, a specific, you know, lane of church because, you know, the AG is a specific lane of church. And so maybe throughout church history, there have been some things that we as, you know, the church the crusades that are not necessarily like things that we're like proud of. And so like, it's hard to sometimes get over some of those hurdles, uh, in having conversation with people. Um, sometimes people put up barriers. They don't want to have conversation with you because of the history of the church. And so sometimes that's, I think that plays a factor in, 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 in people, uh, maybe, you know, going and sharing. Another thing that I think plays a factor is just flat out comfort, right? Like people mm-hmm. are comfortable uh, with who, with where they are, with, you know, sometimes even, dare I say, um, the amount of people in their church, you know, like they sometimes are like, well, we got just the right amount of people in our church. We don't need any more people in here. Right, right. And so they're a little bit more apprehensive to share, or maybe they just sort of saying to themselves, like, you know, like they're just comfortable. That's just what it is. I, I believe though, it, you know, 
it's coming. The time is coming where comfort will not be a luxury afforded to yeah. the American church. And so mm-hmm. you're either about this or you're not. And so um, in a very, maybe, maybe I'm like a twisted individual, but in like a very awesome, like kind of like Maranatha type mentality, I'm like, come on, you know, <laughs> bring, bring the uncomfortable because I feel like in the uncomfortable, in the uncomfortable, it gives us an opportunity to really flesh out the fruits of our faith. Do you actually believe this or do you are you so comfortable in your faith, um, in your goosebumps and heebie-jeebies that you totally missed the mark on what God has been trying to do since the beginning of time? Well, so maybe that's part of it is you can be, uh, you know, definitely in America as well. And we're not we don't need to. Um, that feel bad necessarily. This is just kind of what we deal with, but you can be a comfortable Christian very easily in America. You could be a cultural Christian mm-hmm. and that's how, why you can be comfortable. Like I'm a Christian because I go to church and because I check the box off that says I am a Christian, I affiliate with this. And so culturally you're a Christian. Mm-hmm. And so when there's the command to, uh, for missions, the command from above, you're like, oh, well, I mean, like I, I go to church and I just kind of mentally assert that Jesus, you know, is God, I guess. Like, yeah, yeah, so mm-hmm. that where, because I thought that was interesting when he was sharing the statistics all around the world, when it came to China, there are no statistics available because it's the underground church. Like you really, I, it's interesting. It's not like it's like technically illegal to be a Christian in China. It's more like, it's more a little more nuanced, like something about like churches are, or like you have like the state, manages the church like i forget what it is like i've talked to some people and they're like no you can be christian it's just like you can't do anything like and i can't think i think you're not supposed to evangelize proselytize. yeah you can't evangelize right right so like you can just uh in and of yourself just tell yourself you're a christian that's pretty much the limit of what you're allowed to do mm-hmm. so but it's interesting they're the they're not comfortable there no absolutely not but it's they say the church is exploding right now yeah underground and i yeah so i think that you know dare I say, I think the American church could use some discomfort if it would move us to a place of urgency. Hmm. And, you know, I think we hit, like last week too, a little bit, we talked about the idea that sometimes people want to witness, but they don't know how to. Mm -hmm. You know, like, how do I have conversations? They do take this seriously, but when the moment comes for them to say something, they're like, I I don't know what to say, or I'm afraid I'm going to stumble over my words, or they're going to ask me questions that I don't know answers to, and... So I, I don't think it's even sometimes that we do we don't take it seriously. I think there's a lot that goes into it and and fear of knowing like how do we even do this mm-hmm. I think could be one of those issues too. Yeah, and maybe it can be thinking like it's um New Year's time, you think of a New Year's resolution. This is serious. I really want to get this right in my life, but I'm busy or this is hard and so like I'll get to it later and then you know it's a year later you go wow I actually never did that let me try again this year maybe it's the same thing like I'm nervous I'm yeah apprehensive let me wait maybe the church will do an evangelism class maybe you know I'll wait for Pastor Jeff to preach on it some more and and and, you know like you're like I want to be equipped but then it can cause you to end up actually wow now I look back it's been a couple months since I've told anybody anything about Jesus or invited them to church maybe that can happen sometimes and that's okay so you know it's a command from above though like it's you don't have you know it's not about being a level of prepared like Jesus says hey go and do this and we've talked we talked a little bit last week about what that looks like but um did you have any more thoughts on that okay so then he talked about um so the command from above the cry from below that's a reason that we value missions as well and 
again, we don't need to park here longer than we need to, but, um, you know, he talked about in Luke 16, Jesus tells the story of Lazarus and the rich man, and um, they both die and they go to eternity. The rich man ends up being in hell and um, uh, Lazarus is in heaven and they're separated. And the rich man is like, I'm so miserable down here. Can, can you just give me a drop of water for my tongue? Can you send someone to tell my family this is horrible down here? And I think certain people, if you're listening, some people may be like, oh, yeah, the church, you know, we've lost the concept of hell. We got to preach this, you know, churches are afraid of this now. Other people <clears throat> may be listening to this or have sat in the sermon and maybe feel like, oh, I'm uncomfortable right now. This is like, are we talking about this? Like, yeah. So yeah. I wanted to ask you guys, again, I'm not trying to, you know, ca- cause problems, but like, why is that uncomfortable? Talk about it a little bit. Maybe what what is our concept of hell or what does Jesus say about it? Maybe a little bit like, can you guys talk to that? Maybe why it's important that we believe what we believe about this. Well, when we talk about hell, oftentimes I think people understand it as a place of like eternal punishment. And when is punishment ever a fun topic? You know, like when is it ever like something to be like, yeah, man, I want to talk about this. You know, um, I think that's part of the reason why people find it, you know, uncomfortable. Um, but I guess really the reality of it all is that hell is a real place. You know, Jesus speaks about it, talks about it as a place you do not want to be. Um, and as much as, um, as much as, you know, we love and uh, as much as we understand God to be a loving God, and as much as we love those sermons where we understand that our identity is wrapped up in his love, um, there is truth to the fact that hell exists. Hell is real. Um, I was watching uh, a sermon uh, a couple of days ago and the pastor's preaching and he's hitting some pretty like hard points. And in the midst of it, he starts talking about hell and he just flat out says, he's like, some of y'all are not going to make it. I was like, jeez. Oh, <laughs> I was like, whoa. Okay. <laughs> like, I, was, I was like, I'm watching this on my computer screen and thinking to myself, like, yeah, I don't like that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, but he just was like unapologetically just like, yo, some of you guys in here are not going to make it. I was like, dude, what a statement. Like, I now, I don't personally agree that I've, I I don't think I would do that, like, and be yeah. like, some of y'all in here are not going to make it. But, like, I, the reality of it is, is, like, I don't sit on the throne. I'm not God. And so I can't make that judgment. The best I can do is, as Scripture says, I, you know, go out and throw the seed, man, like, and pray that it, takes root in good soil and that the people hear it and that it produces um the fruit uh for of the kingdom for the kingdom so yeah i'm sorry as as wrote down a couple notes because as you're talking about that too i thought like sometimes what makes us really uncomfortable about it too is when we're confronted with this idea of hell we're also confronted with our own mortality mm. and the fact that yeah at some place you know it's not just um, there's going to come a time when our lives are going to end and we're going to have to give account for those things. And that can make us uncomfortable with the idea that I, well, no, I like the idea of heaven cause I get to live forever, <laughs> you know, and I don't face, but the other thing too, I, I wonder if sometimes we feel uncomfortable because if we're talking about hells and hell being a real place and we start to think about our loved ones who have passed away without salvation, you know, does that make us feel uncomfortable? Does that hurt? Does that, is that, difficult feelings yeah. that it stirs up and so sometimes if we can push it off to the side and not have to consider those things and think about those things it is more comfortable 
Yeah, yeah. That obviously, if you feel like you don't have answers, or maybe you do have some answers, but like Pastor Jamal just said, you know, we we don't sit on the throne. We don't know. Um, and for those people that we think of in those areas, I think what can make it uncomfortable too is when it's used as a guilt motivation. Mm-hmm. Like, well, like turn or burn. Like, you know, you you got to give your heart yeah. to Jesus because if you don't, you're just gonna die and burn in hell. Like, okay, like it, hell's a real place, so it's true. But when it's used in that guilt motivation, I think that guilt is never a good motivation really to do anything for the most part. Maybe that's a little too definitive. But so I think the knowing the reality of it should motivate us, and especially in the context of mission, to, to tell other people. I think of like if you know a car is coming and you see a kid playing in the street, what are you going to do? You can go out there and push that kid. You're going to. Yo, get, you know, if you know it's coming, but yeah. so, you guys have thoughts. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, so one time we were, I was, so I, we try, we try in youth ministry to challenge the kids uh, to be open with their faith. Like, I, I think I mentioned this a couple podcasts ago, just like everything with Kanye West and, you know, him dropping that album. I was telling my kids, I was like, guys, you have an, an amazing opportunity right now to talk about Jesus, to talk about the gospel. Um, so use it. And um, maybe a couple years ago, I uh, shared a video from Penn and Teller um, and he was talking about uh, people who proselytize and he was just basically saying um, that he's not a Christian, that he's an atheist, but he has zero respect for people who have faith and don't proselytize. He's like, I have zero respect for you wow. if you have faith and you don't share your faith with other people. He said, and this was the part that kind of like got, got me. He was like, yeah. how much do you have to hate somebody to not tell them yeah. about like hell and that it's real? Yeah. He's like, not to say that I believe that. He's like, yeah. but if you believe that, how much do you have to hate somebody to not tell them? And he made the same kind of comparison. He's like, if I'm standing on a sidewalk and you're walking in the street and there's a car coming and it's coming towards you. And I say to you, hey, there's a car coming. You need to move. And you could look at me and say, well, I don't believe you, you know, like or whatnot. And he's like, you can have that type of posture. He's like, he's like, but there comes a point where me as a human being where I say to myself, well, I'm going to tackle you out of the way. Yeah. Like that's kind yeah. of his like disposition. He's like, there comes a point where I say, I got to tackle you out of the way. He's like, but how much do you have to hate somebody to just be like, oh, whatever. And then allow for them to. Yeah. And so he was like talking, telling this story as somebody, I guess, had kind of like was proselytizing to him and sharing uh, faith with him. And he was like, you know, I appreciate it. You know, like even though he doesn't believe. But that idea of like. How much do you have to hate somebody to not share the gospel? I was like, Geez, yeah. How interesting Louise. is that? That's his perspective. He doesn't believe it, but he's like, I, I think you should be talking to me about this because if you believed it, you would be. And maybe that's, I don't know, his story, but maybe yeah. somebody else's story. Thinking of like, well, do you really believe this? Is your faith really impacted you? Because I don't see you, like, he doesn't, he doesn't act. You don't act like you believe it. Like that's so interesting that that's his perspective. Yeah. What were you going to share, Pastor? No. I was actually going to go back to what you said um, before about using hell as a way to guilt people or scare people. I remember as a kid growing up in the 80s, Uh-oh. the big play. Heaven's Gates? Heaven's Gates. Hell's oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, I mean, was the whole purpose of that is like, yeah, we need to scare people into understanding and, and bringing them into faith. And I wonder how many of those people who were initially scared by that have <laughs> have like grown in their faith because yeah, hell is real and hell is in it's in like you can't it, it, scripture talks about it but we don't get saved just 
for to 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 skip out on hell we could say it because we have a loving god so you know? maybe this is a good time to quickly just unpack so so what what do we believe here that why does somebody go to hell and why what's available what is what has god done that provides salvation and maybe you're listening maybe you know the answer but i think it's important just to clarify now in the middle of our conversation so what do we believe about this and then what has god done for us made available for us what's the good news here i think scripture says believe in the lord jesus christ and you will be saved that's the that's the what christ has done is by dying for us he paid the price for sin that we never could and so we don't have to be good enough. We don't have to be perfect. We just have to place our faith in him. And I think sometimes we think about how God sends people to hell, but I don't necessarily know that that is the right way to think about no. God as opposed to God has done everything in his power for us to be relieved of hell. Yeah, I think what people have to start with is an understanding that because of Adam's sin, our disposition is our disposition destination is hell like that is kind of where it's not kind of that is where it starts mm. you know like because of adam's sin um we deserve punishment we deserve hell and um hell is not a place where god sends you know people who have been especially bad like it's it's really our default position that's where we mm. are headed but we need a savior we need a rescuer and so we're left with two options ultimately um either stay in our state of depravity or be rescued and so that's really what it is but i think again like what you're you what you've said a couple different times pastor matt is if people wield it as a source of guilt then 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 that will obviously distort how people receive uh you know uh, their understanding of Jesus, their understanding of grace. And so I guess that's what it really is about is having a proper perspective of sin, having a proper perspective of God, having a proper perspective of hell and our need for a savior. Yeah. And actually I think of what you said last week um, <clears throat> when we were, you were talking about things that motivate us. Um, and if we're making decisions, say out of anxiety or out of depression, that the fruit of those decisions will will contain those things. I, that really stuck with me. That like kind of picture that you made, you talked about. And so, same thing here. If you talk about hell or something in that guilt way, you can come to faith in Christ and serve Him. Um, but it's going to contain that your the fruit of your life now is going to contain that that tinted sense of guilt. And motivation. that's where you get work-based salvation or work-based kind of like faith from is like, oh, I'm guilty and therefore I have to do these things to earn. Right? And so unless you speak to the fact of, you know, God's grace being this free gift and you being rescued by the grace of God, then, you know, I think you're in for a very long, toilsome journey of faith until you can get some of those things corrected. It's almost as if, it's almost as if I'm trying to think of, um, I remember when I, so I, a long time ago, I broke my, dislocated my ankle, broke my uh, tibi, tibia, I think that's what it is, but like, and I had to get screws and a plate put into um, my, uh, my leg. And so they did that, reset my ankle, and, uh, and then 
they wanted me to come back and do x-rays to make sure that it was healing properly because if it wasn't then the doctor was like we'd probably have to re-break it i was like what oh, like man. i'm like hold on bro like like I, we don't need to do all of that but what he was basically trying to say is like if the foundation is not right it will affect the rest of your entire body's alignment he's like Sheesh. you will not your the weight of your body will now be distrib will be distributed differently and affect how you walk affect how you run affect even how you sleep i was like what like all of this stuff i'm yeah. like this seems like pretty yeah. extreme but when doctors are talking about anatomy and like like how the body works they're not playing games and they're very serious about it and yeah. just how one little thing could offset the entire course of your body and so um in that very same way making sure we have the right ideas about god about salvation and about hell really are important for setting the framework for faith yeah yeah because you can either view god as the ogre waiting for you to mess up mm. and then why do you want to go to him you may want to escape hell but you may not want to go run to him right. or you can view god as literally he loved us so much that he would give up his own son so that th our relationship with him could be compared. That's a very different picture of who God is. Mm -hmm. It's not It's not the angry dad just waiting to point out what we've done wrong, but it's the loving father who has gone out of his way to bring us, to draw us, to woo us back to himself so that we could have right relationship. And I think when we consider hell, I think we have to think of it in that way. Hell's a real place. But it's not a place where God is just waiting to to send us to. He's not right. like holding it over our head to threaten us because yes, it's a reality, but but what's the reality of who God is? God isn't he's seeking our best. He's seeking to love us. He's seeking to 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 reconcile himself with us so that we can be in relationship with him. And that's the motivation mm. between our lives. And and when we think about those, the cry from below, isn't that what our heart longs for? We long to be known. We long to be loved. We long to be, we long to be part of something bigger. And so if we help people to understand that God can be that something bigger, he can be the, the lover, he can be the, the healer, then that's what can really draw us into the deep relationship with God as opposed to just motivating us by fear yeah but so now i'm going to play the skeptic okay there right, so so okay cool he's a loving father but wouldn't a loving father not hold me accountable for the wrongs of one man in a garden a long time ago mm. well i recently was listening to a podcast and you so you're referring to the doctrine of original sin mm -hmm. and this guy was saying well he's like i, I think maybe we've put a little too much weight on that idea. Mm. Not that it doesn't exist. It's in scripture that, you know, Paul says it, that sin came through one man, but we have all sinned. It's so like you were saying earlier, Pastor Jamal, like our, our, our default stance is hell, that our sin nature um, and the decisions that we make, that that's what our actions deserve. And it's God in his grace, mercy, and love for us that has provided a way of salvation. What do you think of that answer? Yeah, no, I'm saying, I'm saying, okay. oh, you're, you're, you're trying to, that? yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I, I, I think the, the, the theological person in me says, yeah, no, that makes absolute sense. Mm -hmm. I think the struggle for a lot of people, though, is they just, they don't like the idea that God gets to choose what's 
what's sin and what's not sin, well, what's right and I what's w- wrong. I would agree. Like, and I think that that's some of some of that tension kind of plays into that. I'm not saying that. I, no, I would say this. I think this is what it comes to. You're like, well, why would God hold me accountable to someone else's sin? I'm saying, well, he doesn't. And he has provided a way for salvation. But the response would be like, well, I just... I don't think I, I should it should have to be that way. I think I'm good enough in and of myself. Like, why can't he just just decide that I'm good enough? Like like I think there's there's that tension there, if mm. that makes sense. That's what I'm thinking in my head. No, I think there's some of that tension. But I also think though I I thought you were gonna go a different route when you were saying uh also though that you have sinned. Like and that's the truth. Like despite what Adam has done, it does not negate the fact that you yourself have already mm-hmm. broken you know yeah. the ten commandments yes. in some way shape yes. or form so yeah. you're still on the hook if it let's take let's take adam out of the equation even though you really can't and let's just put you up against these things yes. you still have fallen short and you're so still the, fallen short. you're still yeah. on the hook for your own <laughs> so like, yeah. you're still yeah. on the hook for your own and thus um you are also your disposition your nature uh inclined you know in this direction is in need of rescuing so um, <laughs> and so uh here's what i just thought of as you were saying that actually um if you've heard it if, if you've been in church for a little bit you've probably heard of this before the romans road to salvation mm-hmm. right so if you don't know what it is it's that the entire gospel can be summed up in a few verses from the book of romans mm-hmm. so i just want to refresh my own memory that's why i'm bringing it up but so it's the idea that you said in romans 3 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Romans 6, that the wages of sin is death. Um, uh, but Romans 5, God has demonstrated his love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. And then in Romans 8, therefore there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And Romans 10, so it's whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Mm-hmm. Praise and God. that is the glory and good news. That is the gospel. And so I think that's the right perspective to have. <laughs> Pastor Jeff shared 2 Corinthians 6, 2, that says today is the day of salvation. And I think that's the right emphasis when it comes to the idea and concept of hell that when we talk about it in church or talk about it with a person, oh, man, do you really believe that? Like you think God, well, no, hey, today's the day of salvation. There's a sense of urgency, I think. Like mm-hmm. today's the day, like not next year when I, my next New Year's resolution is I'll share my faith a little more. Like, no, today's the day, urgency, but also that sense of hope too. Like God has saved, God has made this available. There's no condemnation. He's rescued me even while I was still a sinner. Um, and it's beautiful. So, yeah. So, all right. Yeah. So I, I think that was good just talking about that. So we said, uh, Pastor Jeff said, we value missions, the command from above, the cry from below, that there's a real motivation there. And he said, the call from afar and he talked about how Paul in the book of Acts had a vision of somebody in Macedonia, and he felt like God was calling him to go spread the gospel there. Um, and Pastor Jeff said this, whatever need people have, their need for Jesus is the greatest need. And um, I thought it was interesting. He talked about how some people, uh, there's a silent cry that people need Jesus. They need the good news of the gospel, but maybe they won't admit that. Maybe they don't know how to admit that. Maybe it's a pride thing that I can't admit that that i need help or i need god's help or maybe there's something wrong and they know there's something wrong and they don't even know what it is they don't know where to turn yeah which is what romans 10 says how would they know if no one has preached to them Mm -hmm. how would they know if no one shares with them and so he said 
I thought this was good. He said, when you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, he will lead you to those who have a silent cry for help. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. And so why, or can you guys unpack, what does that mean? We've probably talked about it before in the podcast, but why do we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit when it comes to people, like their their need for, for God? Because everyone's different. And so if I'm just talking to people about the way... And, and the way that ministers to me, I can totally miss somebody's heart. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I think one of the things about the being sensitive to the Holy Spirit when we're talking to people about uh, matters of faith is the Holy Spirit helps us to direct it to make it relative. Rele- mm, what's the right word? Relevant? <laughs> Relevant <laughs> to them. And if I just talk to you about, like, how God speaks to me and this is this is the way I need God to speak to me, but you're not me though, mm-hmm. you know, and God wants to, wants to be in a relationship with you as well as me. So I think that's part of it. And I think sometimes we can maybe speak to people about things that really are an issue for them. So we may be like, I don't understand why you won't accept God. It's da, 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 da. And we're hitting stuff and they're like, yeah, but that has nothing to do with who I am yeah. and what yeah. my struggle is. So what good is that going to do me? And so I think being sensitive to the Holy Spirit can help us like, direct our conversations into things that really touch people's hearts. But I think within that, we have to also be sensitive that we have to get to know people and to understand who they are, mm-hmm. that the Holy Spirit can help us do that before we can speak to introduce you to Christ who helps you with your pain. Well, what if I don't even know your pain? Well, I got to get to know you and understand your pain. I got to get to know you and understand your struggle, your life, your story. So then I can introduce you to Christ who speaks to those things in a very personal way. But if I don't know those things, how do I? So that's where sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I think that's one aspect of how sensitivity comes in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the other aspect is that and call me, maybe this might be overly simplistic. I don't know, but like, we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's probably doing a work in their life before you even walk, before you even came over there. You know what I mean? Like how much of, you know, scripture tells us that it is the Holy Spirit who draws men unto the Lord. Like you as a believer, if you're trying to share your story or share the gospel with somebody else, you need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit because he's probably already laid the groundwork. But if you yeah. too busy trying to earn a badge, come on, yeah. oh if you're too go. busy trying to earn a badge as opposed to taking the time to see what the Holy Spirit is doing, you could totally miss the mark, man. Like, yeah. he's already, like, I think that's the thing, too. Uh, this is just me. Sometimes, and I think we talked about this a couple of podcasts ago, putting too much pressure on myself. Like, yes. being yeah. like, you know what, man? Why do I feel like I have to be the end-all, be-all here? Like, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? Holy Spirit, what are you speaking? Holy Spirit, like, what are you, you know, like, I'm coming along. I want to come alongside what the kingdom is already doing in the heavenlies that I cannot see. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like that's why you need to press into the Holy Spirit. Like, um, I think, I don't know, maybe it's just in my brain. I'm like, I feel like it's super arrogant to feel like I'm walking the room and I'm the best thing to happen to people who have never, or never heard the gospel. Like that's, well, yeah, and that that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Or maybe, I maybe I shouldn't say dumbest, <laughs> but like that's, that just is not, I don't, there's no wisdom there. That's I, yeah, that's a good <laughs> I, I think I think Sorry. yeah totally you're you're uh, totally on point and like I think of I think we said it that week that scripture that one plants another one waters another one harvests and like understanding what the Holy Spirit's doing so your role may be you know 
last night we had missionary Steve Wallace share, and he was talking about how um, this one it was person phenomenal. Faith. He was way. amazing, yeah. And he was talking about how somebody was coming to faith that everybody who was kind to him on his journey was a Christian. He's yeah. it was an Iranian, oh sorry, Syrian refugee, I believe, the person he was talking about. Oh. And so I, I think that's okay. who it was. Uh, yeah, I think but so. um, so like your role may be. N- no explicit talking about faith in Jesus. You're just kind to somebody, right. and you let them know you're a Christian. Other other times, it may be, yeah, you are planting a seed. You're letting them know, hey, well, I wouldn't mind praying for, or like, can I pray for you somehow, yeah. or like, how can I help you? Whatever. It's a it's another level. Maybe other times, it's like actually like, hey, well, we can pray that prayer together right now, right? Or like, hey. I really think you should come to church. We're talking about that right now in my small group or whatever. And so knowing what is the Holy Spirit doing in that person and then where do I fit in right now in oh, their journey. I'll never forget, like, shout-outs to Andrew Cologne. Andrew Cologne is uh, a uh, product of this church and now serving in the uh, Southern New England uh, ministry network up there. Uh, and uh, he was in college. I remember him having a conversation with one of his boys and just being like, you know, just kind of like laying things out scripturally about like different things discipleship wise and he was like yeah man you know what this is why you got to be baptized and the dude was like all right i've never been baptized i i want to be baptized and andrew was like all right well let's do this then just went and took dude to the beach and was like <laughs> i'm gonna baptize you like and yeah. I, I just feel like that's awesome <sighs> like that's the stuff that i'm talking about like just coming alongside what the holy spirit's already doing in somebody's life and then just in that moment being like we could do this right now you know what i'm saying like yeah let's get yeah. it going and i think that also speaks to another reason to be sensitive because sometimes opportunities come up and you can easily miss them yeah. like here's a guy who's like saying like all right well and it, it could have been a missed opportunity where he could have been Andrew could have totally missed that, but right. instead, yeah, my, like, my church did the baptism yeah, yeah, last yeah. week. You have to wait till next year. I hope that's right. okay. Like, or right. or even how many times are we talking to somebody and then we walk away and we're like, oh, wait a minute, I could have said something then. Yeah, you oh, know, yeah. and and we're like, oh, if only if only I had been paying a little bit more attention, yeah. you know, I could have seized that opportunity that the Holy Spirit does. We pray sometimes for those divine moments, and sometimes they come. And if we're not being sensitive, they come and go, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think that's, you know, another reason we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Cause yeah. be like, here you go, here's your opportunity. I think of, you know, having the missionary yesterday, Steve Wallace, awesome. He was talking about, he's going to Finland and, and the culture there of people that they're very, uh, they're colder, more closed off. Like it's harder. You've got to really get to know somebody before you start to open up and share. And, you know, I think that that's obviously that's true of what we were just saying. You have to get to know somebody. But then think about this, like like the opportunity that we have, the people that you live near, the people that you work with, the people in your family, some of your friends, those are people that missionary Steve Wallace does not have a relationship with mm-hmm. and is mm-hmm. not going to be able to share Christ with them because he's going to be doing that in Finland with somebody else that I'm not going to be able to share with, which is why it's so cool we support him. And so, but like understanding that, I have an opportunity where I am right now. And so I can get to know people too. Like, and God wants to use me to share. And that way I think is really important. So, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So last he said, yeah, command from above. That's why we value missions. We value missions, the cry from below, the call from afar and from the compelling from within, um, which I thought was really great. He talked about, this is why we start with Coke or Pepsi. If you weren't there and you didn't see the sermon, he had a can of Coke, 
on uh, oh, the table. We didn't have the live stream. Yes. Oh, right. We didn't have the live stream. Rough. It should be up and running this week. I was talking to Joe. But anyway, um, somebody thought that I had left it up there. And I was like, why would I do that? Like, but Pastor Jeff was like, <laughs> he put it up there. He's like, no, I know it's going to mess with some people. They're going to say, why is it up there? So it was part of his illustration. And it was just saying how the Coca-Cola as a company started in 1886. But as they developed, their mission was that every person on the planet would taste Coca-Cola. And he shared that now, today, 97% of the planet knows what Coca-Cola is. He said, I think it was like 51% of people have tasted it. Um, So that's pretty incredible. That Coca-Cola as a company, it's just a soda company, soft drink, like people know it. And he talked about, you know, how many people still don't know Jesus. He shared those statistics. And, uh, the statistic of actually it's 32 people a minute actually pass away that don't have an adequate witness of Jesus. And like, I wanted to ask you, you know, where, how, I don't know, like, how do you deal with that tension? How do you manage that tension? Cause I thought there's a lot of feelings going on in, in that. Point. I think when, uh, so I'll be honest. I think when I was in college, I was extremely overwhelmed with that tension and felt very much like, um, you know, just a, a massive weight, which is probably why I value that idea of like, all right, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? You know, where where are you moving? Where are you speaking? Uh, and so I felt super overwhelmed, felt like, you know, like if I didn't do these things that, you know, like it was going to, I remember somebody quoting a verse from the Old Testament about like, these people's bloods are, blood is on your hands. And I just remember trying to go to sleep that night and just thinking of just like myself being covered in blood and being like, oh, wow. and like standing before God and God being like, you're accountable for this. And I'm like, what? Like wow. just feeling super over. I'm just telling you, talk bro. about, talk about guilt. Motivation. Dude, I was feeling crazy overwhelmed and I was just like, man. And then somewhere along the line, just through some friends and through some amazing mentorship came to the understanding and realization of like, no man, God, God is doing something. Like, how can you be a part? How can you come alongside? And so then my response to something like this, like 32, you know, this kind of statistic is okay. All right, Lord, you know, I know that I can't be in control of everything, but I do know that you have already ordained the steps of my day. So help me to be aware mm. and point yeah. me in the direction. Yeah. And I leave it at that. Like, I mean, I, I, maybe that's super simplistic, but I leave it at that because I'm trusting that he knows what he's doing, that mm. he knows, you know, where to send me. He knows where to send someone else. He knows like, like he's got it all figured out. And I don't, I don't need to have it all figured out. And maybe that's a little too simplistic, but I just trust in that because he's bigger, right? And yeah. that he's good. Like, I just trust in that. So. I think it is a tan- uh, tension to manage. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> There's a line there. Not, um, like we said, we want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We don't want to miss the opportunity that God is trying to use us in, but also taking the pressure off that. Well, I mean, that was a pretty graphic analogy. These people's bloods are on yeah, your hands and you're going to go to sleep at night. How many, Like, I, I think that's not at all what we see in the Scripture. Romans 1 says that actually um, um, God's nature can be clearly understood or seen from the things around us. So, so no, the pressure is, like you said a few weeks ago, the pressure is off you. Take the pressure off. So there's some kind of in-between place, I think, to land yeah. when it comes to um, understanding our place and our role in that. And I think one of the ways we manage it is you got to be true to who God created you to be and and talk to people and witness to people out of who he created you to be. And and I guess what I mean by that is like when I was at Valley Forge, 
uh, we were required to do so many ministry hours a semester in order to graduate. And one of the things is, is they would give you points and you had to have, and I don't remember how many points it was, so many evangelism points a year. Whoa. Wow. And so you would have to go out and talk to people and come back and write out a report that you would give to the student ministries director. Yeah. And if you didn't have enough points by the time you graduated, you wouldn't graduate until you did some of those things. Wow. Uh, I don't think it's that way anymore. No, but. <laughs> I, I didn't have to do that. Dude, that's intense, but bro. That, 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 I think you, if somebody was listening, who would <laughs> be like, what? Somebody's like, what? It, 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 it would push you to go and talk to people. And if that's, like not everybody is really good at going up and talking to complete strangers <laughs> and being like, Hey, how you doing? You need Jesus. Did you know that? You know, like that's not always natural for people. And so like, you can feel this pressure. I got to tell people, got to tell people, got to tell people. And I got to tell them in this way, or it has to look like this witnessing has to be this thing. I got to have this, but I don't think it's always that. I think if we really truly love people, and we love people in the way that God has created us, then we can start to speak to those who don't know Jesus. And it doesn't have to be like this high intense pressure moment. Mm. Yeah. If we, if yeah. we, I, I, I guess my thing is, is that like, what is the whole point of evangelizing? Because God has loved us so we can love others. Right. Mm -hmm. It's Absolutely. not just a, 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 it's not just about points. And if we really work on, well, I love you, so let me walk alongside you. Let me let me share with what God is doing. Then, no, we're not going to be able to necessarily, me and myself, reach the entire world by myself. But I can minister to the people God has put into my path if I seek to love them well. And sometimes that's the greater evangelism. So I, I how do you how do you balance that? People need Jesus. There's a lot of people who don't know. But if I'm just trying to rack up points, I'm I'm, I'm going to fail at it, <laughs> you it, know. Yeah, I think some. Uh, what's the verse that says, "I have drawn you with loving kindness"? Mm -hmm. um, that's what just pops into my brain in this moment. Like, I think, like what you're saying, Pastor Todd. Like the idea of allowing people to see that loving kindness is what's going to make people be like, "Oh man," because like exactly what you're. Perfect example. All right, now the analogy is starting to connect. It's like Legos <laughs> here, right? Like what you're talking about, Pastor Todd, is the antithesis of what Pastor Matt was talking about when he said, did you try the Beverly? I have no desire to try the Beverly <laughs> based on the reaction of what other people have said about it right yeah, like yeah. i'm just like so when i go there and people are like no you gotta try it i'm like no i don't you know why because people have already told <laughs> me and by just by their experience that this is not good but you know what i do need to try i do need to try these things because people have tasted and seen the vanilla coke is good mm, oh let's come go on. all right they've tasted and seen and now because of that yeah. other people are like oh man wow i've heard good things about this i want to engage in that i want to have an encounter with that because i've heard about these things i think oh go ahead good i was gonna say and doesn't that speak against some of the stereotypes of christians like the world sees the christians we're pushy about our faith and we're just trying to get checklists and we're just but if you if they really sense that we're loving them mm -hmm. as opposed to on a driven goal of elevating ourselves by being like look at how many people i got saved this week right like i think that helps to go speak against some of the stereotypes where they will begin to listen because 
we have credit with them. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think, and so that's, that's the idea that Pastor Jeff shared, the compelling from within. Second Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 says that Christ's love compels us. And a few weeks ago, I was sharing when we were talking about telling someone in our God with us series, like, you know, if you've experienced the truth, God with us, then Jesus wants you to go and tell someone about it. And I think, I think that's just the idea. Like you said earlier, Pastor Todd, that it's God has loved us. And so we can love others. That's, that's, that's it right there. That's the heart of everything. And so maybe let's just close with this. Like, um, we're talking about that idea compelling, like, um, from within, like, how can we cultivate that? Maybe if right now you don't quite, if, if you'd say, man, I don't know if I really feel that, that stirring in my heart or I, I, I wish I did more. Why, why do I, I'm listening to this and I feel like, ah, oh, you know, I don't know. Maybe there's somebody who could feel that way. How can you cultivate that a little bit? That's a, that's a great question. I'm not sure I have an answer actually. That's a good question though. Would part of starting out be just like, God, give me your heart for people. No, it's good. I, you know, no, it's fantastic. I think. And, and because I think if we try to stir up in ourselves, it's going to fail. Like, yeah. I don't feel this, but I want to feel it, so I'm going to force myself to feel it. Like, that's, I, I think, like, futile. Yeah. So maybe if we ask, like, God, I know you love people. Right. Help me to love people. Or I know, God, that you are calling people to yourself. I want to be a part of that somehow. How can I be a part of that? That's good. And just let God kind of, I don't know, maybe open up those doors or maybe stir within us or maybe help him. Maybe God can help us to realize, yeah, maybe you're not the guy who's going to stand on the street corner, you know, with holding up the signs and preaching to everybody and whatever, but here's the, where I've gifted you. And, and maybe I want to use you in this area to help mm. draw people. Yeah. Cause I, I was just thinking about that. I think there is like a, I do believe as believers, there is a level of responsibility to share. Um, but the maybe from above, huh? right? The command from the above, command from above. Point. Yeah. but, but I do believe, if you're talking about like boots on the ground, how does that like how do we make that translate over? I think what you're saying, Pastor Todd, is is the is the real way to go about it is to just sit there and be like, all right, Lord, I give me your heart. You know, yeah. I think about that that line from uh, Hosanna from Hillsong, break my heart. Oh yeah, you guys yeah, know yeah, what I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah. bridge, that bridge is that bridge goes hard, right? That's so good. like when they sing that line, you know, break my heart for what breaks yours, like. Um, and just even the line, the words that follow, everything I am for your kingdom's cause, like God's cause is the lost. Absolutely. And so if you mean that, I don't know if you, if you listen to this and you go to church and you sing that bridge you, from the, you know, from the bottom of your heart, man, you got to, that's a, that's a prayer, man. Yeah. That's a prayer to sit on your heart and soul for, uh, to be compelled to go to the highways and the byways, you know? I think... Sometimes I think just walking in that obedience can develop your heart when you you know that God wants you to, to walk that way. I think that can help. I think understanding your own salvation as well, that I don't deserve this. That's not who I am. My default yeah. destination was hell. <laughs> Jesus has saved me, I think. And then when you experience that, and I think a humility too, and part of what you're saying, Pastor Todd, yeah, like God, give me your heart. Give me your eyes for people. I think it's great. Our, the mission statement at our church, Pastor Jeff shared it a few times. He said that's what kind of what he was thinking about, thinking about the sermon, what do we value, you know, but it's reaching out to all with hope and healing. And so 
reaching out. Those are the first two words. <clears throat> reaching out means stretching a little bit, maybe getting a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Reaching out, it means it's not passive. It's not waiting for someone to come. It's mm. I'm reaching out to somebody. Oh, how am I reaching out with hope and healing? But reaching out, are you reaching out? I yeah. think it's a great thought to close with. Yeah. So, Yeah, and actually I liked what you said. Like sometimes you got to start doing it and your feelings kind of catch up to that. You know, like if 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 we're called to reach out, if it's in scripture, maybe you don't feel comfortable with it. But if you start doing it, start looking for those little steps. Start looking for just the little ways. I think eventually as we do it, maybe we'll find that God is changing our heart in the act of doing it as opposed to passively waiting for it to change and then us do it. You mm-hmm. know? Right. So, yeah. That's interesting. You're like, when you say that you guys are talking about it as an, as a discipline, like, like as a spiritual discipline, like prayer, like reading the Bible, sharing your faith is a discipline I w- to grow in. I probably wouldn't have described it that way until you just did right now. And I would just would say abs- totally, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 All right, guys. Well, this has been great. Yeah, man. Hitting time here. Um, here's what I wanted to say, Pastor Jamal. I don't think you know this, but uh, I have officially booked the Savi's Workshop lightsaber experience in Galaxy's Edge. Well, Star Wars is kind of whack anyway. So. No, I'm just kidding, guys. I'm just kidding. You, I love Star Wars, but in all seriousness, dude, that's pretty amazing. I'm so Congratulations, Thursday, bro. February 27th, 2, 10 p.m. I'll be there. Yeah. I don't have a plane ticket yet or a ticket to Disney, but I have that booked. He's Dude. like, I will walk. <laughs> I will, I'm building it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, dude, that's pretty amazing. Congratulations, so, dude. I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I know this is outright sin, but I'm I'm jealous, man. Yeah, he said. <laughs> I'm jealous. I want, sin, one. I want one. You have to bring that in so I can live vicariously through and you. And the day, the day Pastor... Matt brings in his lightsaber. Pastor Todd will be here in a hooded robe, <laughs> ready to receive, and he'll be like, Precious. <laughs> Listen, I will pick you up from the airport. <laughs> Dude, they have you can buy like Jedi Sith robes there and everything, man. I'll keep Dude, pick them up. Experience. Do like a Yo, trunk or treat this year. But staff. like I feel like we're avoid I feel like we're dodging like the main thing here though. Which is, Which is today's Pastor Matt's birthday, bro. Oh, we gotta be like, you know what I'm saying? Gotta celebrate their homie on his birthday, you know what I'm saying? Through the podcast, you know what I'm saying? So happy birthday to Pastor Matt, you know what I mean? That's why I didn't feel bad talking about Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> yeah, it's my birthday. I booked like, it. I can't birthday. wait. I'm talking about Galaxy's Edge. Go. Today is my day. <laughs> so, and do what and, you want. And for your birthday and your lightsaber celebration, what color? Ooh, we no. He got to be a surprise. We can't ask. Oh, him you that. wanted a surprise? Oh. I mean, because it's not even a question to me. But oh. although I could explain the significance, though, I he's could, like I red. Explain this. <laughs> <laughs> Cut you down. <laughs> he said red. Easy, Master Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> There's all sorry. over the place. What are we gonna do? <laughs> Uh, so I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. So blue has typically been, uh, you like they say, the guardian, mm-hmm. which is more like the combat, like the mm-hmm. practicality of the force. Green has been more philosophical, studying the su- the subtleties of the force. Yep. I feel like as I've gotten older, that like has been more my personality. But blue, dude, is just like where that's where I've always been. Mm-hmm. And like my brother, I remember I said that to my brother one time. I was like, yeah, like you know, green is kind of like. Like whatever, he's like Matt. 
Your lightsaber's blue. <laughs> like, okay, all right. Thank you. Like, he's just like, wow, you can't get anything else. I'm like, you can't get anything. Right, so, else. you know, blue. that's what's up, man. But, that's what's up. Here it is. I know you'd get. Uh, you said orange, right? That's yeah. I just, I, I just think the orange blades are cool looking. I don't know what it symbolizes. Cause mm. It's like the mixing of like. I don't know. They talk about some of those colors or like the blending of the dark side and the light side, which is why Mace Windu has the purple yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just think orange is cool looking. So it is cool. I mean, if you're going to be a Jedi, you, go? you got to be a cool looking one. Pastor Jamal, what would you do? I know they're not a thing, but gray Jedi is my thing. I'd go gray somehow. Yeah. You yeah. do like the white lightsaber, like Ahsoka? Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that's kind of cool. Looking. That actually is pretty cool. Yeah, dude. That's it. I w- they actually may have that there. You can get crystals, like extra crystals. I think they may have white. Mm. I don't know if they have orange. I know they have yellow. I'll have to check. To yeah. see. You have to go with the dark saber. Oh. I don't know. I don't know, bro. You feel I, it? I feel like... It's anti-Jedi. That's how I feel. So <laughs> but, but the dude got it. He, but from but what he I understand, he was a Jedi. He was a Jedi. He, he was, was a Jedi. Jedi. The first Mandalorian, first yeah. and only, or yeah, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. But he was a Jedi. I, yeah, I would probably get it'd be like white or gray or something like that in nice. that realm. So. All right, guys. Well, it's been fun. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, we'll man. see you next time. We're see you later. <laughs>